Okay, a very special edition of the Penn State Blitz podcast. We are not in the Penn Live studios. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Greg Pickle. Greg and I are going to talk about the Penn State football program and the coronavirus concerns and the impact of those. Also, what we're going to be working on the next couple of days and weeks, kind of from remote sites. We're going to talk about Penn State's recruiting amid all this chaos and how they're trying to still pursue some of the top recruits in the country. Also, we're going to get to former Penn State stars in the NFL and how their lives have been changed through free agency. Chris Godwin of Tampa Bay and especially Sean Lee of Dallas. And Greg and I are going to close with the Penn State mailbag. Okay, Greg Pickle, these are some very interesting times we're dealing with. Penn State football is on indefinite hold, as is just about everything else in the sporting world. Coronavirus concerns are very serious. We're not in the studio, obviously. I think you're somewhere in Middletown. I'm in downtown Harrisburg. But let's just talk about what's transpired since we last met with the coronavirus and also what our plans are with Penn Live coverage for the next couple of days and weeks to come. Yeah, there's no real other place to start, Bob. You're right about that. I mean, obviously, at this point, spring practice is on hold for the Penn State football team. We don't know what the NCAA plans to do at this point. Will they reinstate those dates uh, once it's safe to have large gatherings again? Will they decide to just go right in the summer camp? Will we even have a football season? You know, those are all questions we don't have the answer to right now. But by and large, at this point, the players aren't on campus. Uh, Dwight Galt and his staff, I'm sure, have given them a way to stay in shape and some nutrition guidelines while they are at home. But let's keep in mind, Bob, that as you and I were talking about the other day, uh, it's not like a lot of these guys are able to go to the gym at this point. You know, most of the states that Penn State's players come from have shut down non-essential businesses like gyms and things of that nature. So this is a, a pretty wide reaching thing, obviously. And, you know, football and college athletics is uh, I know down the list for some as we uh, wait and hear the latest updates about confirmed cases and things like that of the coronavirus and what our future uh, will look like in society with the COVID-19 situation. But at this point, it sounds like uh, they're trying to make it as business as usual as possible. So we're going to do the same. Uh, you know, readers have been able to see our question series. Uh, we've been picking off some recruiting stuff here and there over the last couple of days. And we'll plan to do that for as long as we can. It would be great at some point if, uh, you know, James Franklin, maybe a couple of coaches get on a conference call line with us. But we'll have to see if that, uh, you know, it's a reality that ends up working out. So time will tell, Bob. But I think, uh, you know, you would agree that there's a pretty good plan in place for the Penn State football team. And we're going to have one as well. I think even though there's no spring drills, um, I think. Actually, today would have been, I think today would have been the start. Today's March 18th, and I, if I right. believe yesterday, yesterday would have been Pro Day and St. Patrick's Day, uh, and today would have been, I think, the official. We would be listening to James Franklin, I think, right now instead of listening to each other. But, you know, Penn State fans are always thinking, I think, about recruiting especially, and they're, I'm sure they're very interested to know, you know, what's going on with the team, you know, how realistic is it for them to start up in the next couple of weeks or months? And you, you mentioned the fact that, there's no guarantee that a season, I think, is, is is a lock, even though that's in early September. All the sports are pushing things back. So uh, it's literally I've found in the last week, it's literally day to day, hour to hour. There's no there's new information coming out. But you're right about our Penn State plan. We have some things scheduled and you and I and our big brains are going to come up with some other ideas for the next couple of weeks, next couple of months. And uh, we may even loop Dave Jones 
into uh, our plans if the if the if the listeners and the viewers and the readers are lucky. But uh, like everyone else, things are kind of going very fast, and we're just trying to we're trying to adapt and, and try and meet maybe the demands of the Pen Live audience. Right. Yeah, I don't think I could say it better myself, Bob. And we'll keep looking at those spring practice questions that come up. Uh, we'll try and keep doing these video check-ins, uh, you know, over the weeks to come. And we'll see. I mean, I think that it goes without saying that we're kind of taking it day by day, just like everybody else is. And, uh, you know, we're just hoping to provide some uh, some insight and some ideas into, uh, you know, the Penn State team at a time where everyone's looking for maybe some things to, uh, you know, take their mind off the situation, at least for a little bit. Let's move along to some Penn State recruiting. I know they got a preferred walk-on, a really, really good Pennsylvania player. I think it's, it's Dom DeLuca, if I have that right from Northeast Pennsylvania, a safety prospect. He was a quarterback, led his team to the 5A state title, invited walk-on. But the bigger news is involves a running back from Virginia, Greg, who cut his list to nine, which is not – it's not really cutting that much. But right. Penn State did make the cut, and he is definitely – if you watch any of his highlights or you watch him run track, he's definitely a special player. Yeah. You, I'll let you pronounce his name. Yeah, Travion Henderson is, I believe, what we're going with um, at this yes. point. I'll have to go look and see if uh, sometimes those huddle highlights have PA announcer clips in there, and that can tell you a little bit of a guide. But, yeah, he's a tremendous running back, and he could be the latest big-name recruit um, at that position to pick Penn State. We'll have to wait and see. But the fact that they're in the top nine, you know, we had talked about it earlier in the week, but we don't pay too much attention to top nines and tens and twelves and fifteens yeah. in normal normal circumstances, but we'll certainly look at them now because the one problem all these kids are going to have is, you know, there's two groups of kids right now. One was going to go take five official visits starting in April, and maybe they'll still be able to. Who knows? It feels unlikely at this point, but we'll have to wait and see. But you know, kids were able to visit campus before the NCAA put that dead period in that runs as of now until April fifteenth. You know, we'd have visitors on campus potentially today for the start of spring practice, potentially this weekend if they were going to have a scrimmage, certainly next weekend in the world that we expect it to be in where there was a second Saturday of spring practice and a scrimmage to be had. So, you know, I think that these lists, um, kids are going to start putting them out because they don't have much else to do at this point. You know, some places will have online learning and some won't. But I will be, uh, you know, hardly surprised if we start seeing more and more of these lists come out just because, again, guys don't have a lot to do at this point, but sit around and wait like the rest of us are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Penn State's running back room. I mean, this is a This is a kid that's the class of 2021, a five star. And Penn State's running back room, Greg, looks pretty crowded at the moment. But that's not really it's never really the case. Um, Journey Brown's entering his redshirt junior year, Noah Kane and Devin Ford are entering their second years at Penn State, second year sophomores. Um, they have a couple of, I think, they had a couple of January enrollees who got through winter conditioning, Kazea Holmes, and you're going to have to help me with the other guy. I get him confused with the wideout because they have, it's Kevion Lee, is that it? Is that the name? You got it, yep. Yeah, so, but I mean, things change quickly. Uh, if Penn State's going to recruit four and five stars and they're going to be good right away like these kids have been, you know, they're not going to stay at Penn State for four years. So, you know, this is a 2021 kid. So it absolutely makes sense maybe for him to think about coming to, to Penn State. He's got a very good uh, recruiter kind of following up on him and Jawan Sider. So I, there's, the list of schools that want him uh, is impressive. But Penn State's been doing pretty well in Virginia. He's a Virginia kid. So I wouldn't rule it out. 
No, I wouldn't either. And they've had a lot of success in that area. You know, the one thing they'll have to, you know, focus on again. And the one, the interesting thing about all this is that electronic communication is still okay. So how will Penn State differentiate itself with Henderson? You know, with with the running back in Virginia, with all of these guys, really. You know, DeHan Warren, the corner on Lackawanna. Penn State's had a lot of success there. He's set an official visit for June if kids are allowed to take those then. But Oklahoma, Tennessee, and a few others are also in play as well. And, you know, you'll have to uh, you'll really put a good message out to kids at this point almost every day and try and separate yourselves from a pack of coaches who are going to be putting out messages left, right, and middle because there's not really any other way to try and stay in their recruiting hunt at this point because you can't have kids on campus. It's like February all over again. And it puts Penn State at a pretty major disadvantage because of how many new coaches it has, the fact that it can't, you know, we, we didn't even talk about the spring practice element of it and Kirk Shiraka not being able to install yeah. his offense and when will they get to that point where well, you can't show it to recruits either. So they'll have some issues on that end as well when it comes to uh, especially recruiting offensive line and offensive skill players because, you know, again, there's no tape out there and there won't be for the considerable future. It's time for a timeout on this edition of the Penn Live Penn State Blitz podcast. We'll be right back with the mailbag and other thoughts on Penn State football. Welcome back to the Penn Live Penn State Blitz podcast with host Bob Flounders. I'm Greg Pickle, and we're going to talk more Penn State football here as March rolls along on the day that would have started Penn State spring practice. You can find the podcast at this point in time. We're planning to do it uh, just like usual. So, Bob and I will. <laughs> record it with our video and uh, podcast team on Wednesday and it'll go up Thursday morning. Now, if you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, et cetera, you could get that early depending on how things work out. So that's the plan at this point in time. Again, it's the Penn State Blitz podcast and you can get that wherever you get your audio as it relates to the video, which we'll see if those work out too. Stay tuned. But <laughs> youtube.com slash all Penn State is where you can find all the good stuff if you get a little bit bored, Bob, if you're looking for some highlights, we got some good Saquon Barkley stuff on there, some good whiteout footage that uh, could be worth taking a look at sometime down the road. Okay, so let's talk Penn State players in the NFL. Two of them made, two of them were impacted for sure on Tuesday with the news that Tom Brady left the Patriots. He's going to go to Tampa Bay, and that's good news for one of the best receivers that James Franklin has kind of worked with at Penn State, Chris Godwin. If Chris Godwin can put up the numbers he put up with that goofball, Jameis Winston, who threw 33 interceptions last year, can you mm -hmm. imagine what Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are going to look like in the Tampa Bay offense with Tom Brady, who's a much better quarterback, getting the ball to them? Yeah, and no, it's really impressive to think about. And I believe Godwin goes into a contract year, too, if I'm not mistaken. So he's going to have that at his disposal as well. So, you know, it's just... It'll be interesting. I mean, Brady obviously uh, had so much success in New England, and that's the story of the NFL right now. Uh, it's still a little bit strange to me that as every other sports league cancels, we're still talking about NFL free agency, but uh, or postpones, I guess, those other leagues did. But the NFL generally stops for no one, even if yeah. people can't visit team facilities and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it couldn't have worked out better for Chris Godbob. My question for you is, and this is an early mailbag question, is Godwin going to keep number 12, or is he going to have to give it up? Uh, I think he's going to give it up. I think that Tom's going to make him an offer he can refuse between Tom's money and Giselle Bunchen's money and <laughs> you know, all the resources at their disposal and Chris Godwin knowing that he's now got 
maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, an in-shape quarterback getting him the football. I think, Mike, I don't know what number he's going to take, but I would put a lot of money on Chris. I don't see Tom Brady uh, wearing anything in the number 12, and I think that Chris Godwin will be happy to accommodate him. One Penn State player, though, who is not nearly as young as Chris Godwin, who's going to play one, at least one more year is Sean Lee, the linebacker. He was a second-round pick of the Cowboys in 2010. He spent his whole career in Dallas, unlike Tom Brady, thanks to Bill Belichick. But he's going to play one more year. He's not quite the same player that he was, but he's he's a very good player, and, ca- and the Cowboys want him as part of the linebacker group. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, you had did the post, I believe, a few weeks back when they said that he was going to return, but they didn't know where. Yeah. And so I guess a return to Dallas always made a lot of sense, or at least it seemed like it did. He's obviously had to overcome a lot of injuries, as you mentioned, but he certainly has uh, has made a name for himself in this league and has had some very productive years and hopefully can have one more. I mean, this is a guy who, again, has overcome a lot, even dating back to his time at Penn State, and has really always found a way to make the best of it. So it was good to see that he got a lot of money. And then, Bob, I don't know if you – uh. It came across the wire before we started recording or not, but Carl Nassib signed a big deal with Los Angeles. Or I'm sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders, too. Right. Good old 25. Uh, I think he said he's getting 25 million if he plays out the deal and 17 million guaranteed. Not bad for a uh, former walk on. Yeah. I mean, I just remember, you know, his last year at Penn State, 2015, you didn't see that All American season coming. And he was just a he was just a reserve defensive end, really tall. In 2014, and you're right, a walk-on who just got better and better. And he's played with a bunch of different teams in the NFL. He's a quirky character, but he's I think he's a likable guy, and he plays very hard. And it just shows you the premium on guys who can get after the quarterback. And, you know, it's not always sacks. It's, 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 um, it's pressures and quarterback hits, and he's been pretty good at doing that. So good for him. He set himself up very nicely for the rest of his life. Now he gets to play in Las Vegas. We won't be able to see him on hard knocks like we saw him a couple years ago with the Browns because the Raiders just did that, Greg, so I'm a little bummed about that. But he was one of the stars of the the Browns hard knocks. Interesting player, good for him. And I, I would just think I'm, I'm really excited to see once the NFL resumes what Chris Godwin can do. He might be, in two years, he might be the best receiver in football. Some of these guys are getting a little bit long in the tooth, and a couple of them, I think, are overrated. He's been steadily getting better I think he was a second round pick and I just you know he's gotten better every year literally since his freshman year at Penn State whether it's been at Penn State or the NFL and he's just a he's a nice kid played hard Uh, I remember him in the Rose Bowl the Penn State Bowl and now he's going to catch passes from Tom Brady wearing a new number any other mailbag questions for us as we get to the last segment Greg Oh, we got a bunch of them, Bob. Let's start out with this one. James Franklin has put a lot of stock in analytics. One uh, reader writes to us and says a lot of these, a lot of three stars that have good analytic measurements. So I think he's talking about defensive ends that can grow into defensive tackle and guys with long features and big frames and things like that. And he wants to know if you and I have confidence or he or she wants to know if we have confidence in James's, you know, analytical and kind of number based approach. I think it's mostly about recruiting, but it could also go back to some of that, uh, you know, fourth down conversion uh, decisions and things like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a quite the question there. Let's just assume you're he's... not allowed to say you're not allowed to say, according to this, that we just have to trust James and his staff. So, <laughs> yeah, so 
I will say this. I mean, they've been pretty good at developing players that weren't necessarily can't miss prospects. And on the defensive side, you know, you look at some of the players that have developed like, you know, an Anthony Zettel or a Carl Nassib, guys like that. Um, you know, Sh- Sean Spencer, I think, gets a lot of credit for that. They have a new new uh, line coach in John Scott, so that'll be interesting to see. But when you're trying to compete against Ohio State and Michigan just to get out of the Big Ten East and your your class of recruits is 20 to 25 strong and maybe 10 of them are, you know, in the four-star or possibly five-star range, you're talking about 15 other players, whereas Ohio State seems like it seems like 60 or 65 percent of their players are four stars or better. And there's usually a couple of five stars. I think if you're going to take a three star, you have to take a three star based upon how you see him as a developmental prospect. And I, th- I just don't think we talk enough about really the guy that might be the most loyal to James Franklin. And I'm not talking about Brent Pry. I'm talking about Dwight Galt. They certainly look much different after a year or two in his program. So I think that it's a numbers game for Penn State if we're talking about recruits. If they bring in, you know, if they bring in six or seven or eight three-star players in a class, I mean, they're not all going to click, whether it's the transfer portal or they're just, they just don't develop quickly enough or someone comes in a class behind them and get, they get passed on the depth chart or there's injuries. I mean, if they can get half or, you know, 40% of those guys to become either key backups or decent starters or rotation players. I mean, that's all you can ask for. Um, and I think as James continues to build this thing at Penn State, you're going to see the numbers grow up. And I think you're going to see them go from, you know, 10 four stars with a couple of five stars to maybe, you know, 15, 16, 17. And then they won't have to take as many projects. But I am very interested in watching. One of the big projects on in the current class is the Tuma Mulba from Susquehanna Township. I'm wearing a Susquehanna Township visor as we record this, and I know he's come a long way in a short time. But you're not gonna you're not gonna develop all of them. But I think he's got it in his mind. He's like, if we can if we hit on half of them or close to that, it's worth it's worth taking the shot. No, no doubt about it. And I guess I look at it like this: it seems to be a pretty proven uh, way to get, especially when you talk about offensive and defensive linemen, Bob. The guys that can play right away are the guys like Rasheed Walker, who have to add maybe five or ten pounds when they get to yeah. campus. Other than that, I don't want to say it's completely proven because there's always examples of just about anything. Um, but it's always easier, more often than not, to put weight on guys than take bad weight off and then put good weight on. So um, that's kind of how I look at it. When you talk about the analytics approach, that's how James Franklin and them seem to look at it as, okay, this guy may be a little bit lean, but he can put muscle and put weight on in a good way quickly. And they'd rather take that approach than one where a guy comes in and, you know, he's 350 pounds and they want him at 315. That's a much more difficult conversation. So uh, let's move on. We've got one, Bob. I guess we'll do. Let's knock out two more if we can. Trent Gordon and Tyler Rudolph. Do you expect those guys to be more a part of the uh, maybe I don't know about the starting lineup, but more a part of the uh, rotation in 2020? Or is somebody else going to maybe jump ahead of those two guys? Well, you figure they want to play five, six corners uh, at least, and you have you have Tariq Castro-Fields, Marquise Wilson, Keaton Ellis, Joey Porter Jr. I think Trent Gordon's in the mix for the fourth corner spot for sure. 
and they do play four corners. You know, they like to literally play an entire second team of defenders. And I would say the same for the for the safeties. I think Lamont Wade and Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker are are probably the guys to beat out. And I think that Jonathan Sutherland is going to be in the safety mix. The fourth safety, who was that going to be? Um, it could very well be Tyler Rudolph, who is a player that they like. But I don't know how much we'll see them. I think you'll definitely see them on special teams. Um, but the fact that the rooms are getting more and more crowded with good players, younger players, had Tariq Castro Fields left, I think Trent Gordon would have would be primed maybe for an even uh, bigger role. But, um, you know, there's some obstacle, obstacles for them to playing time. There will be some injuries, but I would say definitely special teams. And I think they're in running. Both of them are in the running to play key second team defense reps. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'll wrap it up with this. There's been a lot of questions that come in about class of 2021 recruiting and why it's so slow. Um, again, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but the new assistance combined with the new February dead period combined with the uh, completely unexpected March dead period really answers a lot of those questions. I know Ohio State's picked up a few guys of late. Uh, mm-hmm. Those were guys they were going to land pretty much no matter what. And Penn State just doesn't have many of those at this point. So uh, obviously, the situation's unprecedented. We'll see. But I, I would say you have to have some a little bit of confidence in James Franklin and his staff to be able to come through and finish this, uh, you know, finish this class out whenever it can be finished out, whether it's as expected in December or some other time um, in flying colors. I think they've earned that uh, sort of trust at this point, Bob. I think that you'll see the NCAA, if this if this drags out, maybe extend some things with the, with regard to recruiting to give teams a chance maybe to catch up, but it's definitely a, diff- a difficult time, especially Greg in Penn State's case, where they only they have a small class to begin with. There's some other schools I think that have maybe double digits in in the 2021 20, class or close to it, and Penn State's nowhere near that. So unless they have some silent verbals already lined up, they're definitely going to be in a little bit of a catch up mode. But James Franklin is nothing if not prepared when it comes to lists. And, you, and recruiting, if you remember, last year, late spring, they had a couple of really key decommits, and it looked like the class was kind of not falling apart, but it was going to be very subpar. And he quickly was able to scramble re- and kind of reload that class, and it turned into a pretty nice class. So I'm sure right now he's planning for pr- contingency plans to make sure this class, once it's fully assembled, is close to what he envisioned it. Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of the Penn State Blitz. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Leave your feedback. And remember, if you subscribe, you'll get the podcast a day early. Otherwise, it's on Penn Live every Thursday. We'll see you next week.